The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. And you are tuned into HTM Sports here at twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks and hitting the marks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but give it up for the man, the myth, the legend, the real number one overall pick, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that art of the B to the B. Rick Vickery, happy to once again be here. Hashtag HTM Sports. And you know, Jargo, as I was looking at this run, I started thinking. Do you realize in about four months' time, we're going to be at this uh, this podcasting, this vlogging, whatever you will, this crazy game that we're involved in. We're going to be at this two years now together. Yeah, I know. It's coming up well, quick. Well, and I look at that four months' time, and it, and it kind of applies you know, to everything we're going to be covering here today. We're going to be talking a little uh, NFL draft, which is about four months' time. We're going to have the start of the NFL season. Then we're also, you know, we've got NHL, NBA playoffs, and it seems like each of those playoffs take about four months to get through. Yeah, good God. Like, the NBA playoffs go until, like, June. When did it start? Uh, December or something like that? The no, it, it, just, it just seems. It just seems. Like these, you know, the playoffs take so long, but hey, we, we've got some exciting action to talk to. We got a lot, a lot to get through. So I guess I'll just stop my rambling. Let you get to it. Yeah, this might be the longest run that I have actually written for the sports show. We'll try to keep it about a half hour. Chances are it's going to be closer to 45 minutes to an hour today. Let's start things off with the NFL draft. And, and Rick, one of the things that this absolutely blew my mind. It wasn't any of the picks. It wasn't Nashville. It wasn't the presentation. It was when I looked up these TV ratings, ratings up 11% for this thing. The NFL reporting that over 600,000 people were in Nashville for the NFL draft. This is becoming an event all upon itself. I thought this was going to be a poorly rated draft. There wasn't a whole lot of pizzazz at the top. There was Kyler Murray and then basically the rest of the draft. I sure didn't expect it to go up 11%. Well, you, you look at this thing here as you're talking about those those sexy picks, you know, the, the personas that people are going to gravitate towards. You know, we had talked about this going into the draft. Were they going to be able to live up to some of the expectations of the past with some of those big names? I mean, this was heavy in the trenches, uh, but that didn't seem to matter. As it says here, you know, 600,000 people taking over Nashville. I, I, I think that speaks volumes to... You know, how the NFL themselves in these host cities have just transcended this thing into its own, you know, its own mecca, major happening within sports. Uh, I will say out of those 600,000, there was a small handful of ladies that were very disappointed. You see the, the national press picking up on the uh, bachelorette party that was kind of blaming the NFL uh, for ruining her bachelorette party and then, and then swearing that she was going to take it out, eventually take it out on her husband and ban professional football from their household for an entire year, Super Bowl and all. 
And now this guy is single because he was like, nope, I ain't putting up with that. I've, I've always said love is equal to or greater than the amount of shit you will take from the other person. That's over the line, man. Sorry. Don't love you no more. Um, TV reach. Rick, this was another number. This is a number that we don't get to talk about a whole lot because it just doesn't apply to professional wrestling. But I thought it was interesting in this context. The TV reach up 5%, 47.5 million people. Now, what TV reach means, you tuned in for at least two minutes to this thing to see what was going on. That's what TV reach is defined as. 47.5 million people. Holy crap. Didn't expect that whatsoever either. The NFL draft, this might be the second biggest event for the NFL at this point next to the Super Bowl. Well, I'll tell you what's what's really interesting with this with this reach with this reach that that they have, and you know it speaks volumes to you know going back again to how they have presented this thing and build it up. You know when this thing is running, especially during prime time, when you have you know the most eyes that are going to be looking at their television sets or you know however they're consuming this product here, and this thing it happens so quick. I mean, you can get a, a quick fill. You know, it, it's going to satisfy your appetite. And you get a couple, you know, you might get a transition between a couple picks. You're going to get a great highlight footage. You know, it, it's going to, it's going to feed that appetite for you. And if you can go on what you were doing, you're going to go back to it again. You know, if you, and you look out, you know, and, and preparing for this, we spent a little more time, but in years past, you know, if I'm happen to be flipping through, you know, real quick, I, I'm going to look, you know, where are the bangles at? Oh, okay. I've got 10 minutes. I can go back to those doing, make sure I'm coming back here for that two minute or, you know, just looking around. Uh, who's in the division? Oh, the Steelers, Baltimore's up. You know, where are they going to go here? Or teams of note like that. And, and that's what's really unique about this thing. It's kind of quick hit programming. And no pun intended here, it, it's proven to be uh, an extreme hit for the NFL and all those involved. I can't help but think of the comparisons between the superstar shakeup and the NFL draft and how well organized the NFL draft is how you can just you tune in and there's a full graphics package on the screen it tells you who's on the clock who the next p- coming up pick is all the picks beforehand and the superstar shakeup well, was and, you know, just a cluster you go in you go into war rooms and basically everyone knows what's going on and you know that kind of fun to just compare it to how they dropped the ball to superstar shakeup WWE I mean everything was just such a cluster no one knew what was going on the commentators had no idea there was no you know, authority figures even kind of guiding it. And you kind of need that structural wise when you're going to place people in position here. Uh, so kudos to them in, in each of the networks. I made sure to check out, uh, there was three of the networks I was watching. I don't know if anyone else security, but the three major ones uh, and all the eyes that were on them, I thought all their coverage was tremendous overall. How much of this thing did you watch? I watched basically the first two days. I skipped day three. I actually, uh, as you know, last week battling a bit of the flu had me down and out. So, you know, thankfully, uh, when I was able to kind of, you know, bring myself together to, to focus, uh, to be able to catch the replays myself on, on the NFL network on late night. So I didn't catch a lot of it in real time. I was sleeping those days, but I made sure, you know, the draft is something you want to be a part of that, you know, it sets the tone for the league, you know, the entire league for years to come. So it's exciting. Full of sound and fury signifying absolutely nothing. That was very much how I felt about this year's NFL draft, and especially with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray going number one overall to the Arizona Cardinals. Rick, it it seems as though the Cardinals have their quarterback. Of course, we thought this last year with Josh Rosen. Now the Miami Dolphins think they have their quarterback. 
What do you make of this entire Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen situation? And who do you think is the real winner in this thing? In the long run, I think Murray is a tremendous fit out there in Arizona. I just think there's so much work to be done out there in the desert before, uh, you know, we see any real success with them. But to their credit, I think that is a division that they can move up in very quick and maybe start picking, you know, you know, get into that conversation for a wild card positioning. Uh, obviously, you've got the Rams out there, such a powerhouse. Uh, but, you know, the rest of it in there, you know, that is for the taking. You can get in there and maybe grab one of those wild cards. We're talking about Rosen. I really like this move to Miami. Uh, I don't think we're going to see anything immediate. But, you know, hopefully looking, if they give him time in two to three years, you know, he could be a real game changer for him there. I think this was a huge win for Josh Rosen and the Miami Dolphins. The fact that all they had to do was give up number 62 overall in a fifth-round pick next year to get Josh Rosen, who's a top-10 quarterback talent, Arizona kind of screwed the pooch on this thing. Waiting to trade Rosen until after they picked Kyler Murray, they lost all their leverage. They had absolutely nothing there. They should have gotten a first-round pick for Josh Rosen, but instead they got a mid-second-round pick. They absolutely, absolutely lose your hand here. Uh, but maybe you know internally they just really believed it's, it wasn't there. Or, you know, maybe some kind of panic mode. But anyway, to unload or, you know, once, once they get everything settled in, they want Murray to feel comfortable coming in here. So, you know, they, their hand was a little forced. Looking at Miami, though, on this side, though, it has been so long. You know, they have been on that quarter, that quarterback hunt. Hopefully they're going to get it right here. They're going to put him in position. I think, I think as a, as a franchise, you see them take a step for him to adjust this season. Uh, but like I said, two or three seasons going forward, you know, hopefully this works out for them where they can, you know, make, you know, become a serious playoff contender. Yeah. Once Tom Brady leaves, uh, Daniel Jones, probably the biggest story of the NFL draft and Carly is just irate about this entire thing. Cause it's not even about Daniel Jones. This is really about Dave Gettleman. That is the issue here because I, dude, I felt so bad for Daniel Jones. They booed Daniel Jones at the NFL draft. The Giants fans were not happy about this pick, and I can't say that it's hard to blame them. Now, there, there's two different schools of thought here. Number one, I do like Daniel Jones. I, I do like the pick to the New York Giants. I just don't like him at number six overall. They probably could have got this kid mid-second round. Well, you're, you're look, the Giants had what a dozen or so draft picks, and not very many needs, maybe two. And then number one of that list and it was, you cannot miss on this, is you have to get your quarterback of the future. So, so many of, you know, the, the experts, you know, they're the fanatics there in New York. This individual wasn't on their radar. You know, this kid yeah. from Duke wasn't on the radar, especially sitting at, at that pick there. I have to wonder, you know, the general manager up there, up there in New York, he's probably getting the newspaper every day, and maybe he got confused when the headlines are saying New York must pick Duke star. And he just got confused. They weren't talking about your sport. That was intended for the Knicks, not for the Giants. Well, and I think the other thing that people aren't talking nearly enough about is David Cutcliffe. Um, of course, David, the, the coach at Duke, Daniel Jones, quarterback at Duke. It just so happens that Cutcliffe was the quarterback coach for Eli Manning as well as the quarterback coach for Peyton Manning. Like th This is just a continuation of the Manning legacy for the New York football giants. So I, I understand the pick. 
I understand, you know, that three years down the road, they're already saying, we want to give this kid the Aaron Rodgers treatment where he sits for a couple, three years. You, you don't do that with a number six pick. That's the problem. It's just, this was the number six pick. Well, I think even if you're worried, as you're talking about here, Jarvis, if, if you move down, maybe you get him late in the second or the third. I mean, why not trade out of that six spot and bolster up some more draft picks to try, you know, to give him some players, some tools to help kind of, you know, mold around him so that when he is ready in three years to take to take the reins for this franchise, and I would say it's going to be sooner than three. I've guessed right around two years. I'm guessing uh, he's playing week seven. See, I, I think you do a disservice there. Uh, to this kid's credit, though, I'm going to guarantee it because there's so much importance placed on, you know, just your overall intelligence and how you're going to be able to adapt from one game to the other and how you see this game speed. I'm going to say, you know, out of, you know, this this entire class of quarterbacks, he's got to be ranked right up there amongst the top, you know, the tops when it comes to that aspect of his game. He's the number four quarterback overall in this draft. That seems clear to me. Um, But one thing about Daniel Jones that you do have to give him some credit for, Duke has not had one player drafted under Daniel Jones. He's been a three-year player at Duke, not one NFL player out of Duke that he got to play with. So you can look at his talent. You can look at the numbers. It's not necessarily going to actually show you what it is that the New York Giants scouts are seeing just because he didn't have the talent around him. The one thing that does scare me, though, the only NFL defense that he played against was basically Clemson and Clemson just absolutely destroyed Daniel Jones and Duke in that game. Doesn't look good. Especially when you have Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins was on the board. The Giants passed. He goes to the hometown, Washington Redskins. I liked this pick a whole lot more before I found out that he was from about 15 miles away from RFK Stadium. I don't think this is a good situation for Dwayne Haskins. Rick, of course, being there in the OHIO, what do you make of this pick? Well, at this time, you know, I thought, I think, you know, so many people out there, he was almost a lock here for the Giants if they didn't move down. We heard so many other rumors, you know, here in Ohio, the Bengals were potentially, you know, bidding to make a move for him. Uh, A little shocking to see him drop this far. Uh, He brings so many of the tools that are desirable uh, by these NFL franchises, someone that you would think that you could put that franchise tag on uh, eventually really scares me. Not just, and I know where you're trying to tie in, you know, going back to the hometown and all the, I think know, it's too much pressure, man. Uh, well, it, it's just, the uh, pickups and headache right there. You're not removing yourself and recentering and focus on this new career. Now you've got, you you're, you're going back to the old neighborhood is, and you're going, and they might try to consume you with it. So outside of that, but I'm just not really a, a fan of this franchise. And it's, you know, ever since going way, way back when they got Gruden and just even continuing to go forward, and I don't really have so much faith in Snyder. You know, he's just always struck me as one of those individuals. It's anything, you know, he's just throwing whatever against the wall, hoping it sticks. And unfortunately, in Washington, there's a there's not much hanging on the wall, but there's a bunch of holes left in it. Well, let's talk about the uh, elephant in the room, or I guess the Buckeye in the room, the Cincinnati Bengals at number 11 select Jonah Williams, offensive tackle. They could have taken Dwayne Haskins. I would have liked him a whole lot more going to Cincinnati than I do Washington. What are the Bengals doing? Did they just not even have Haskins on the board because they figured he'd be gone? 
No, I, I don't think so at all right now. I think we've seen the Bengals take a quarterback later in the draft here. Uh, they are looking, you know, hopefully to get somebody that can fit into a system, groom him. Obviously, with this change in regime, the new coach coming in, he sees some life still in Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton has, has proven that, you know, he can move the franchise forward, but that has to start in the trenches. And, and, they, and this was a perfect draft. You know, we talked about this at the top of the show. This was a perfect perfect draft to start building from the inside out, and that's kind of the approach that the Bengals took. Of all these quarterbacks, the one that I like the most, <coughs> excuse me, got something in my throat. The one I like the most is Denver. Number 42 overall, they pick up Drew Locke. <coughs> they also have Joe Flacco over there. Locke's going to get to sit behind Flacco for what sounds like a year. It seems like the Broncos can move off of the Flacco contract after this year and not have any dead money towards the cap. I'm not exactly sure how that contract works, but I heard that reported the other day. This is a great pickup for John Elway and the Denver Broncos. I think the Broncos might have had the best draft out of anybody by just letting the draft come to them. Um, I tend to agree with you here, and I want to, you know, you're talking about how this works out for the franchise and for the new rookie coming in. I, I want to give something here to Flacco himself. You know, obviously you you think, oh, you know, in a possibility in a year, you know, they could just cut ties with him and move forward. Hey, this gives you this gives you an opportunity to go out play with a strong franchise, prove yourself. When a lot of people thought you washed up over the hill, we're questioning this move to you know to Denver in any case. This gives you an opportunity to go out there and prove yourself. Prove your worth, and then maybe in a year, go get a bigger deal with somebody else that's really, you know, that'll give you that opportunity. Out of this class, five years from now, when these guys are looking to get paid, Drew Locke's the guy that I'm looking at that's going to be the standout of this class. What do you think? Man, it's so hard to tell right now. And it's one of the things that, that bothered me about the draft in itself is there's so much emphasis. And I know we're going to look at some gradings uh, from the experts here, you know, what how they're predicting here. And to me, I wish there was more, you know, this time of year where we would get these report cards from two or three years ago to, to let how these things really played out in like the long term grading for these franchises to see who's really stood out. So let's kind of run through the draft here as well as some grades. We'll kind of do it by division. Um, the Washington Redskins, I've got it an A minus. Of course, Haskins is really going to determine that grade <clears throat> if this thing works out or not. Philadelphia. B minus the Giants. I have it a D plus the Dallas Cowboys. I have it a C plus, and I got to give Jerry Jones just a little bit of credit. They resisted the urge to take DK Metcalf, and actually, they they took Tristan Hill, the defensive tackle. They also addressed their offensive line. They got themselves a kick returner. Cowboys drafting for need. I just thought for sure that Jerry Jones was going to jump all over Metcalf when he saw he was still on the board. Well, I think, you know, the big the big player here when we're looking at the grades and he's obviously, you know, you're talking quite a bit there about the Dallas Cowboys. And it is, again, you know, with all the questions going into the offseason about the big deals, you know, who's going to be who's going to remain on there. I don't think they did. I don't think they really moved through this draft at all. And I think in this conference here where it, it is, you know, really anyone's game as we seen last year or in this in this division as we seen last year, I don't think the Je- that the, the Cowboys have done enough for their fan base to be really excited. No, uh, on that is you know on that going with that there. Obviously, the Giants did nothing. They're going to be the you know in the bottom again there. Even you know giving them an, an 
last year, I don't watch it right now. You know, Philadelphia, that's, I mean, they are the clear cut favorites to run away with that thing. And I think Philadelphia had the best pick out of everybody. Left tackle Andre Dillard. They went and they got Carson Wentz a left tackle. Carson Wentz is only good when he's on the field. And the problem is he's spent way too much time off the field the last couple of years. The NFC South, Atlanta, I've got it a C plus. At least they got themselves some offensive line help. Carolina, a B plus. Saints, a B minus. Tampa Bay, a B minus. I like what Tampa's doing, man. You can see literally what Tampa Bay is doing. It's Bruce Arians, and he's building that man-covered defense. Yeah, Tampa's, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're wrestling guys here, so we all know that WrestleMania is heading there. But if you kind of check out, you know, what's happening down there, as an entire city, I mean, they're becoming a, a hot target, a hot destination, so many great events heading down there. They want to make sure that they're known, and that, that's going to spread across to all of their sports franchises, and the Buccaneers are upping their game, and they want to be talked to you know, amongst the best. Chicago going to the NFC North. Chicago gets a C. Detroit a B because I picked up TJ Hawkinson. Bastards. What a great pickup that was. Too bad he went to Detroit. Minnesota, I got a B. They went heavy on their offensive line to protect Kirk Cousins. And the Packers go defense, 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 and more defense because they're the Green Bay Packers and we pay Aaron Rodgers way too much money. So we have to put together a defense because we expect Rodgers will take care of the offense. We need somebody that's going to go out there and get after these quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, and that's all about the rush up front, trying to just you know disrupt, disrupt the opponents there. Like, hey, this division here, black and blue for a reason. Looking, uh, you know, as everyone's lined up, just for them to go out and knock it out again. NFC West, San Francisco, you get yourselves a B-plus strictly because you took Nick Bosa. Taking Nick Bosa by itself gets you a B-plus. He's the best player in the draft without any question. Huckleberry, I know that the OHIO had to be very, very happy to see Bosa go number two. Oh, very much. Uh, you know, such a dis- disappointment during the season, you know, when he had to shut it down and then, you know, you know, understandably comes out and says, hey, I'm not going to return late for this run here. I have to focus on, you know, getting ready here for the NFL. Obviously, that pays off. Tremendous pick. Uh, went out there, you know, and he had a little bit of PR issue coming right out of the gate. You know, he had some some choice words for, you know, the actions of, of Kaepernick back then. And I thought he did a tremendous job handling those. He wants to move forward, help this franchise. I don't know. And, you know, when you, you can have all the talent in the world, though, when at the end of the day, when you realize you're signing on that dotted line with a franchise like the Niners, you are going to a dumpster fire. And sometimes you hate to see that happen to someone with so much talent. It's a valid point. Of course, Jimmy Garoppolo will be back this year. I, th- I think that was a, a big part of the gasoline being poured on said dumpster fire. Uh, the Rams get a C- that porn star. <laughs> he might be. The Rams get a C plus. All they did was add depth. They didn't even have a pick until number sixty one. Unfortunately, this is the problem. When you have the rookie quarterback deal, you go out and you spend huge on free agency, the draft becomes pretty much irrelevant. The Cardinals with a B. Let's talk a little bit about Seattle. Uh, I, I gave Seattle a B-, minus, but I think they had the best draft of everybody there. Seattle trading out of the first round. They load up on picks in the second and third rounds because, kind of like the Packers, we paid Russell Wilson we need a whole bunch of talent. We'll take a whole bunch of second and third rounders rather than first rounders and guys that we got to pay right now. Well, you know, look at it, the way these quarterbacks are getting paid. I'm surprised that some of these these teams are even able to afford second rounders aren't going to the third and fourth trying to get those low end deals and just hoping 
hoping, you know, with so many picks, you got so many darts to throw at the board, a couple of them are going to stick in some sweet spots for you and carry you over. Go into the AFC. Let's start off in the East. Buffalo, I've got a B plus. Uh, they actually went out. They got themselves some some really nice pieces. Unfortunately, they're still Buffalo. The Miami Dolphins get a B for picking up Josh Rosen in the second round because that's a great pick for for a mid second rounder. That's a great pick. The Jets go all pass rush in a young AFC East. And then you have the Patriots. The Patriots being the Patriots, there's a lot of analysts out there that are telling you, Rick, Patriots had the best draft out of everybody. Go figure. Patriots being the Patriots, kind of like Randy Orton, just being Randy Orton. I guess the real question is, is Jarrett Stenham the heir to Tom Brady? Man, you talk about a, uh, a hefty label to be placed upon your shoulders. Well, but but don't don't take it too heavily because I mean we've seen like five different air appearance to Tom Brady at this point. If it gets to be two years down the road and Brady's still playing, Stintham, you're out of here. We'll draft somebody else. Yeah, and now you're getting sent out west to one of those teams or something like that. <laughs> They're looking for their next savior. Suddenly, you're the new you're the new quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. Go save the franchise. I think, you know, what's really important here is we've been kind of putting over regularly through this conversation is looking two or three late years later for the draft. I think that especially holds true here in the East. This is still ultimately the Patriots to win. But now how can these other teams, you know, it's about positioning for number two and that opportunity to dethrone the Kings. That's not going to happen this year. You're hoping to be knocking on the door two years and then in three years, they'll be a serious contender to that throne. You're just hoping that Tom Brady goes away. Why are the Patriots the Patriots? Because they've got to play the Buffalo Bills twice a year. They got to play the New York Giant or New York Jets twice a year and the Miami Dolphins twice a year. This year, all their quarterbacks put together are going to have like, I don't know, three years of quarterback experience and the Patriots are just the Patriots being the Patriots. Well, that's what I say. You know, for everyone else in, in the division there, it's a waiting game for you know, the age game to just actually be the one to catch up and defeat the Patriots. And you got to be the one that's right in position to grab it when it's, when it's there. Tom versus time. Let's talk about the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans, the host city. They went out and killed this draft. I'm giving them an A minus. They added five positions inside of this draft that are going to be starters next year. You know, on, on one, one side of the coin, that is tremendous to go out there and get that much talent that's going to immediately come in and infect your franchise. On the other side, though, very yeah. disappointing that you had to go that route, that you were in that much need of young talent. Yep. Houston gets a C plus. At least they went out. They got themselves a left tackle. No, no running back, though. Still waiting for the Texans to pick one of them up. The Jaguars, another one of those teams. They just kind of let the draft come to them. Tony Khan had to be happier than pigs and shit, man. It was like all the, all these picks just kept falling into the Jaguars' lap. That was awesome. And then you have the Indianapolis Colts, who trade out of the first round to get more players and address wide receiver, their defensive line, their linebackers. It's going to happen. The Colts are going to become the Patriots of the AFC South. Well, a little a little bit opposite strategy here in Indianapolis. You know, it's opposite. I mean, from Green Bay where it was, we're just going to expect Rodgers to carry everything on the offense for it. Uh, the Colts obviously saw, hey, we've already seen what Andrew Luck can do when he's responsible of carrying everything on his own. Now we've got to go get him some help if we want to go to that next level. They are obviously, they're knocking on the door. They're, they're hungry. They want an AFC championship. 
AFC North, Pittsburgh gets a B minus. They trade up to take linebacker Devin Bush out of Michigan. The, the Steelers had to do it. I mean, they, they really needed help there, especially with the Shazer issue, uh, injury. They, they had to replace him. They, they kind of had him by the tail. Then they go out and they draft a running back and a wide receiver. Shout out to uh, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. They also picked themselves up a tight end. Really good draft for the Steelers. Cleveland added a whole bunch of depth. They have a good draft. Absolutely nothing sexy worth talking about. Cincinnati, all solid players, but did they get any starters? It was like they were, they, they were just taking the, the best player available, even whether they needed that position or not. Well, at this point, when you look up and down the, the Bengals roster and how they're restructuring, I mean, right now they are redefining themselves. So right now you... And it, that in itself is a strategy. Take the best available because they have so many spots they need to fill, especially when you're trying to recreate an atmosphere, create a new dynamic within this franchise. I thought that they had a, a tremendous, a tremendous draft. As you said, nothing really over the top sexy, but that's not always what you need. You're trying to right the ship. You're, you're rebuilding a foundation right now. So I don't think that their fans really have to panic so much. One team that did go for sexy players went for wide receivers, running backs, is the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to give them a B. They went out, they got themselves some weapons to help out Lamar Jackson. That's what this draft was all about for Baltimore, and I thought they did a real nice job. Well, it's kind of a a tale of two cities here. You've got Baltimore with that young quarterback who unloaded everything this offseason, is going through this draft trying to reload what's, you know, restock on all that ammo to give him something to work with. On the other side, you got Cleveland, where they did it through free agency. You know, six weeks ago, we're, we're talking about Cleveland Browns. Look at you know this this sexy new roster that they have assembled here. one of the playoffs, possibly Super Bowl. So the the draft for them was just about kind of you know making sure the cabinets weren't there. You know that, that there was something to rely on in case something goes down for you. Not to go too heavy on the Cleveland talk today, but we're lo- talking about looking two, three years down the road. What's that team going to look like when they got to pay Baker Mayfield? At this point, I don't think that they. It's in the back of their minds because it is a must-win now in Cleveland. The, the fan base there, uh, believe me, I'm very close to it. You, you sit there and you start talking about three years down the road, you're going to lose these people again. You have to live in the now if you're in the land. Go to the AFC West. The Raiders take Colin Farid at number four. Talk about an overreach, man. You know, the Raiders were saying, hey, we're going to surprise people with the number four pick. I, I I don't think this is the kind of surprise that they were necessarily going for. It seemed like the Raiders were overreaching this entire draft, and it makes sense, man. They're just trying to sell tickets this year. Well, yeah, you're talking about selling tickets, and that's this was more about a marketing stunt for the Raiders because they were all over. Anytime they were coming, I mean, how many times were they moving and shaking and just moving a couple spots here or there? They just wanted to be relevant. Right. Well, they wanted people talking about them. They wanted to be the hot commodity coming out of a kind of a lackluster, you know, star-wise draft. So people were remembering the Raiders right now. You know, they're kind of, you know, they're out there roaming in the wasteland themselves, you know, looking for a home, if you will. They want to stay relevant. They got to move tickets there. That, That city is about done with them. They're waiting on a new destination. They're in this this weird limbo. So in in classic Raider style, you know, they're just causing as much chaos as they can to stay relevant. 
Kansas City Chiefs get a C plus. They replace Tyreek Hill with Mecole Hardman. They also get some help on the defensive end of the ball, which God knows they need. Denver, arguably the best draft out of everybody. I, I gave them an A minus. Number one, they traded back inside of the draft and they still got everybody they wanted. They still got Drew Locke. They still got Noah Font. They still got offensive lineman Draymond Jones. They, they got the steals of the draft. How much of this is luck and how much of this was planned? Well, I mean, you're dealing with, you know, one of the best franchises in, in the NFL. And again, anything, when you're dealing with this, all the puzzles, you know, all the pieces to the puzzle have to fall in place for you. And sometimes it's just your day. And it, you, you run with it here. Yeah. Hey, but it's just, it's just as easy. And, you know, as a Bengals fan here, so many years we've seen things would fall in our lap and we would make the wrong moves. I mean, so you still got to give it to the franchise for, you know, making that right move. Chargers get a C plus. They, they were another perfect example of teams that were just out there kind of drafting for depth. Good defense gets a little bit better than what it was. Overall, man, it was an exciting three days. That's for sure. Lots of, lots of trades. I think there was like 40 trades over the course of three days. Raiders had to be involved in like three quarters of them. I was going to say, how many were the Raiders? Like 35? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's throw it over to the NBA playoffs. Friday, we saw the Warriors end the Clippers season 129-110. Warriors win the series 4-2. to But Rick, the bigger story here, Kevin Durant had 37 points at halftime, 50 points for the game. Steph Curry then goes off for 24. When you have those two guys going off for 74 points between the two of them, you're not going to beat the Golden State Warriors. Thanks for coming, Clippers. Uh, I guess the thing with the Clippers is, now what? Are the Clippers going to be able to land Kawhi Leonard? Well, you know, you're going to have to go back to the drawing board for them. Is L.A. still the hot destination? Can the Clippers become the number one destination? That, that's the big thing. But, you know, to me, the big talking point out of this one, uh, move on, Clippers. See you later. I'm more worried about the Warriors moving forward, especially Kevin Durant, which I, I really want to talk about here in a moment. Saturday, the Nuggets down the Spurs to win that series. Denver crowd for MVP. Rick, this was absolutely ridiculous, the way this thing ended. Um, Greg Popovich was trying to call timeout, and it was so loud in the freaking building that the players and the officials could not hear Greg Popovich trying to call timeout to draw up a play at the end of the game, and the Nuggets end up closing out the Spurs. Props to the to the Denver faithful for making some noise. This series went seven games, man. I, I said it wouldn't surprise me to see the Spurs get them. The Nuggets feel pretty vulnerable as a number one seed, though. I don't know if, you, if, if you're vulnerable. I think you take this as a learning experience. you got the Spurs there, one of the most storied franchises, especially of the last you know two decades. They, they know how to do this. They, they've been there. I think it is, it's an ultimate test for them instead of running into someone that possibly doesn't have that experience. Popovich working on a three-year extension down there in San Antonio, worth every damn penny. The Raptors, they win their first-round game. Taking care of business at home, 108 to 95. This game was boring, man. It was just boring. The, the Sixers and Toronto series, I just it's it's the one series that's going on that I just don't care about. Yeah, not not a whole lot for me on that one. Sunday, we have the Celtics beating the ever-loving piss out of the Milwaukee Bucks to take a one-to-nothing lead. Giannis goes seven for twenty-one, still ends up with twenty-two points. 
Rick, th- it feels like this series is already over to me. Boston just looks clearly heads and tails above the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, again, you know, we're talking about Spurs. This is uh, this is a different season. It's a different ball game. The Celtics have been here. They they are tested for this thing. Milwaukee, tremendous regular season. Take this as a learning example, but you are done. You, you might get one win out of this thing, but then the Celtics are moving on. Boston just looks unbeatable right now. Uh, Warriors, 104, Rockets, 100. This is the one that is the, the talk of the town, if you will. Kevin Durant leads once again for 35 points. You got CP3 getting tossed right at the end of the game. Harden just laying up bricks left and right. Where do we even begin with this series? Well, I, you know, the, the big story right here is what I can't believe what's really standing out to me, and it's, it's just simply hilarious to me, is how childish the Rocket franchise is acting right now. Oh, yeah, crying uh, from, about fouls. From down, from, from down on the court to the, uh, you know, to the front office. I mean, this is an absolute joke. Uh, you know, it's, we start with Harden there. He just wants he just wants it to be called fair. This is coming from an individual who has been fouled ninety six was it ninety five ninety six times from behind the arc during the regular season. And then it, it goes so far to the front office that now they have audited last year's finals games and, and pulled out like eighty one or eighty three instances where they believe that the referees cheated them from winning that championship, like there's some kind of agenda. We're talking about a team, and I've, I've, I've said this on the air quite a few times this season, Harden is the, is the poster child. He is the reason that I cannot stand this current age of NBA basketball. I, I know you've got to change. You've got to get with the times. You've got to go with what's selling, and it is a shooter's league. But when your entire, when your strategy is, is to manipulate the rules system and we're to an, almost to a point where it is laughable. And now when it's not working in your favor, you're going to start kicking and screaming like a, like a little snowflake or something like that. Get out of here with that. Absolutely check it at the door. What you're, what you are doing is you are ultimately admitting that you need the referee's assistance to get over on teams that are superior to you or not even maybe superior to you to get over on anyone. That is what got you here is using the third man system to play to your favor and treat you like a little child. When I said I want to talk about the rant, hey, look in, look in this series. The rant took care of his own business. He didn't need the assistance of the, of the referees. He went out there and got the job done. You know, Harden, we keep going back to him, you know, because he was involved there. He's the one that has been vocal. He still went to the line 14 or 15 times during this game. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. He's like, I just want a fair chance. And it's like, yeah, that that's literally what every team that you have played all year has said about playing against you. They just want a fair chance. You're trying to throw your legs into people while you are shooting just so you can flop on the floor and go to the line for another one. That's that that's like you said, that's become the strategy. They're they're manipulating the officials. You get into the playoffs. They swallow the whistles. We're seeing it in the NHL. We saw it in the NFL. We're seeing it all I, I across even, the NBA. I don't even you don't get away with this crap no, in the playoffs. I, I, don't even, I don't even say that they're swallowing the whistles because that's why, I went, that's why I pulled out that stat. He still went to the line 14 or 15 times. They're still, they're still you know, trying to manipulate that style of play here just because it came back to get you. Now, looking forward, we're talking, you know, we're talking about Milwaukee being done. I think Houston is absolutely done here. They are kicking, screaming. I don't know if they're going to be able to adjust their game enough. 
But on the flip side, you're looking across at a very, a very already confident, cocky, and proven warrior team that now smells blood in the water. And a pissed off Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant got pissed off in that first round of the playoffs when people were calling him out. And ever since that little monologue that he gave to the media where he's like, you know who I am? Kevin Durant's remembered who he is, and all of a sudden he's shooting the ball, and he's going off for 50 points. He's going off for 35 points. Just absolutely ridiculous. They keep asking these coaches and these players, um, how how do you guard Kevin Durant? You don't. The way he's playing right now, you don't. That that that's honestly the, the what the way that you beat the Warriors at this point is you put two guys on Steph, you hope Clay has a bad shooting night, you don't let Draymond get in your head, and just let Durant do what Durant's gonna do. You're not gonna stop him when he's in this kind of a zone. Just let him do what he's gonna do. That, that this was the defense against Cleveland. Let LeBron be LeBron. Cover the rest of the team. He ain't gonna beat you by himself. It's ridiculous. Sixers down the Raptors, 94-89 last night. Tie up the series at one. Jimmy Butler actually shows up, goes for 30 points. But the big story here, the Raptors, five points off the bench. That was it. And they had over 50 minutes of playing time between four different players. Bench has got to show up. It can't be the Kawhi Leonard show. Uh, I, you know, if they don't need to, if they're still contributing in other ways, you know, it's always, you know, it's one of those stats to me that I think is over exaggerated at times. If they're not needed to step up in that, in that moment, then so be it. Uh, but you need to be able to rely on them in the case, you know, that if they're able to start shutting down Leonard, that you can go to someone else. Nuggets and Blazers tipped off last night. Nuggets 121, Blazers 113. Damian Lillard goes for 39 points on 12 of 21 shooting. Rick, he's becoming everything he hates. He's becoming Russell Westbrook. I'll go there, but hey, I just want to point out, you know, you're talking about the Nuggets. Are they going to, you know, are they going to have a setback struggling there in the first round? I think that's going to give them more legs to stand on. Uh, they are they are better for it and more playoff tested. Nikola Jokic. 37 points on 11 of 18 shooting, 7 foot tall, 250 pounds, 3 of 5 from 3. The Dirk Nowitzki factor. You know, there was a time when you would see him down on the block with his back to the basket. Not anymore, not in 2019. 3 of 5 from 3 for the big man. Absolutely ridiculous. Tonight's games, Celtics at Bucks game 2, Rockets at Warriors game 2. Warriors going two and zero in this series, going back to Houston. Wow, you know this this is going to be this is the interesting one, and this is going to be all eyes on this thing. I don't want to really make a prediction here, but like I was saying, I, you know, this is you know, all, all signs are pointing to are the Rockets, you know, are they done here? Are they relying too much on the refs? Are they going, you know, now because there's three teams on the floor. I mean, you've got in this case, you got the Rockets, you got the Warriors, and you got the officials now. Yeah. You can only folk really focus on one, and they need to remain focused on the Warriors. Are they going to be too worried about what's going on with the officials? Is this really is it going to affect you know the style of the game? I mean, are the officials how are they going to change the game? What instructions are they getting from the league how to handle this? And, and again, you go goes back to what I was saying. The Warriors are just going to be the the cool cats that they are. They smell blood, and they're going to strike. Let's throw it over to the NHL. Get your uh, 
up to date here on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Hurricanes down the Islanders on Sunday. Carolina up two games to none on the New York Islanders. Avalanche take one in San Jose, four to three. That series tied up at one. Last night, the Blues down the Stars in the series that everybody is watching and everybody is talking about. Four to three, St. Louis now leads two games to one. Tonight, Sharks at Avalanche, Game 3. Bruins at your Columbus Blue Jackets tonight in, uh, with the series tied at 1. Rick, how is Ohio embracing this team? At this point, have they have they really gotten on the NHL bandwagon? I, I think you know it's it's starting to spread out. You're starting to hear you know take, you know the jacket mania is running. We're starting to run wild through here. You know that that first that first round win, how big that was to set that tone. People are hungry for it here. You know it's hey everybody loves a champion. People are jumping on board with it. The quest for the cup. God, I love it. There's nothing like it. Um, unless you are a fan of the Las Vegas Golden Showers, I mean Golden Knights. Uh, we, we talk about officiating in the NBA playoffs. Well, it has taken center stage in the NHL playoffs as well. As the NHL basically pulled the NFL and came out and said, yeah, sorry about that, Vegas. You guys kind of got screwed. So the story is, Game 7, Sharks and Golden Knights Golden Knights up three to nothing when there's a terrible, terrible penalty called and it's a five minute major, which means even if the team scores, you're still stuck in the box for the duration of the penalty. San Jose comes out and scores four goals on this power play and downs the Vegas Golden Knights four to three. NHL comes out and tells uh, Vegas, oops, sorry about that, but you're out of the playoffs and the Sharks move on. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, have a good time watching the rest of the playoffs. Hey, I guess I guess, I guess, guess the good news is now you get, you get free time in Vegas. Yeah. I, it just sucks, man, because, you know, we're, we're seeing this controversy now with what's going on inside of the NBA. We saw it with the NFL and that Saints and Rams game. Now we're seeing it in the NHL with the Sharks and Knights. It's never good when the officials are the lead story when it comes to the playoffs. It's just never good. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for watching and or listening, and please hit that subscribe button. Then find the entire HTM Podcast Network at hittingthemarks.com. Make sure that you subscribe to our audio feed by searching Hitting the Marks on your favorite ear hole listening device. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. RBV, where does David Gettleman find you if he wants you to be the next quarterback of the New York football giants? Well, there is no way in hell I am going to that shithole New York. Uh, but you can find me across all social media platforms at the real RBV. It's time for tacos. It's time for tacos. We'll talk to you Friday at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!